It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. The Russians. The Russians are busy murdering, torturing, raping, and molesting in horrifying ways the citizens of Ukraine. All they need, ladies and gentlemen, is a little bit of space. That's all. They're just angry, you see, because, because you know, Ukraine was asking to be part of NATO, and, and Ukraine was always part of Russia, going back 1,200 years. Just ask Putin, he'll tell you. And as I say over and over again, read what he wrote or purportedly wrote, in July of this summer. A handful of us have, who are commentators, I see Mark Thiessen has, based on what he was saying today, he's a good guy. But most of the Putin wing has not. And I noticed the Putin wing of the Republican Party, of the Democrat Party and the media, were fairly quiet yesterday when evidence of genocide, horrifying atrocities, which they can't deny, there's actually photos and videos. You know, like landing on the moon. Showing what's taking place. The Ukrainians aren't doing this to Russian civilians. The Russians are doing it to Ukrainian civilians. And by the way, every Russian in Russia doesn't support this. And if they dare to speak out, they're thrown into these gulags. For seven to nine years. Where they're also beaten and tortured and raped. So the Putin wing of the Democrat Party, the Putin wing of the Republican Party, the Putin wing of the media are actually siding with the thugs in Russia. With the Putinoids in Russia who are doing these things to people on now they're reorganizing the Russians, the army. They're, they want to hammer hard in the northeast area where they're going to put most of their troops, most of their tanks, fire most of their missiles. They want to surround the biggest contingent of the Ukrainian military and try and crush them and destroy them because now they think that's the way to take Ukraine. And what is Joe Biden doing in response to this? Folks, unless the Ukrainians get the heavy armaments that they need, jets, tanks, personnel carriers, they can't ultimately win. And a stalemate is a loss. Because their people are being slaughtered. Their people are being brutalized. Not the Russian civilians. The Ukrainian civilians. Now, many generations see these sort of things take place. In the 1930s and 40s. A generation of Americans saw this take place and they responded to it. Eventually. What are we doing? Okay, no troops. Got it. Number one. Okay, no American military activity in Ukraine directly. Okay, number two. But the idea that we're going to deny the Ukrainian people the weaponry that they need, not just to go on defense, but to go on offense, to attack the enemy, is... is I mean, we're all safe here in America, but it is something that keeps me up at night. It's hard to believe that you see these bodies strewn all over this town. And they say what's going on on that town on the coast of the Black Sea. Maripol, 
A town of 400, 450,000 people where 300,000 people are stuck. What must be going on there? And it's all with the consent, not consent, with the order of Vladimir Putin, who's been romanticized by certain elements within our society. Romanticized. He's a mass murderer. Just think of the number of people who've died at his hands, whether in the Middle East, Ukraine, Chechnya, wherever. Then he's got this Wagner group. It sounds Nazi-like. Where they send these men in to pretend they're part of the society and then they start assassinating people, slitting their throats, you know, doing, doing his dirty work. One Ukrainian refugee, Anna Shevchenko, 63, said troops pulled women out of houses and raped them. Mykola Kovalenko, 71, said Russian forces shot people trying to flee in the street. Some of them tried to escape by bicycle. They were shot. The soldiers have been called animals. They've been called animals. You know, there are rules in war. Rules in war. You don't target the citizenry this way. Now, Despite all of Biden's tough talk, except today he was busy with Obama, of course. But aside from all the so-called tough talk, he's not doing nearly enough. Now, they won't even use the word genocide, and I told you why yesterday. They won't use the word genocide. Because if you use the word genocide, you have to actually do something, if not legally, morally, to try and stop genocide, don't you? I think so. Something more than this. Olga Bandara, 58. This is Daily Mail. They dragged women out when they were drunk, sometimes old women, too. One of my neighbors saw several women had been hung after being raped. I don't know if the Russians had done it or they killed themselves after what they had to go through. I want you to think about what's going on here. It's terrible. I saw women and children dead in the street, even babies. And this is a, uh, a fighter out of the country of Georgia, 21-year-old David Zavania. I came because I wondered he will do to Georgia what he's done here. He will do to Georgia what he's done here. So he's done it in Georgia, he's done it in crime, he's done it everywhere. This is uh, what you're witnessing. This is what you're witnessing. And God knows what's happening in Maripol. God knows what's happening in these other towns. You have to assume this times hundreds, if not a thousand. It is genocide. This is what we call genocide. I don't care what the lawyers say and the politicians say. The inhumanity is unbelievable. And those who were saying that they were offended with comparisons to genocides in the past, don't be offended, because this, this is turning out to be a major, major genocide on a huge scale. And the Ukrainians know what genocide is. 1932, they suffered at the hands of the Russians, who starved millions of them to death in one year, 18-month period. Really, 90 years ago. 90 years ago, these people were, were treated this way. It's unbelievable. I'm disgusted by those 
in the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, and the media who played down what the Russians were doing, who played down when they were amassing troops, who played down Putin for years and years, who made ridiculous arguments about them needing space. I don't care if they've been in the military or not. Needing space. Ridiculous arguments that they just wanted to stop them from joining NATO. Well, they said they won't join NATO. Has that stopped anything? And again, these people are ignoramuses. Just read what Putin said. Just read what he said. And the consequences here, what China may or may not do, Iran may or may not do, are grave for our own country. They are grave for our own country because we're being destroyed from within, number one. Our finances and markets, because of the spending of the Marxists, our own sovereignty and security is being destroyed on the southern border intentionally. Intentionally. A nation cannot be an industrialized nation without the fuel it needs. They've turned the spigots off. They act like a bunch of ninth century buffoons where they're looking at the sun and looking at the wind and they think that'll carry the day. That won't carry a damn thing. Their attack on the civil society with their endless racism and bigotry. A corrupt media. A, a cancerous, poisonous media. That serves as a voice for the most radical, extreme, anti-American elements in this country. We're being destroyed from within. But that doesn't mean we don't have evil enemies without. And we certainly do. China's not building up his nuclear arsenal, which today the United States said is at a breathtaking pace because of Taiwan. And Russia is not allied with China and way ahead of us on hypersonic missiles. Matt Gates is right. Because of Ukraine. We're their enemy. Same with Iran. We're their enemy. And so we deal with this enemy from within. But we must deal properly, prudently. But we must deal with the enemy from without. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Three days ago, I read to you a piece by CBS News. Not only did I tell you I don't believe it, and I don't trust the leaks, but even if it were true, there could be many answers to it. It did not draw any conclusions. Just like Russia collusion and all the other lies that have been thrown at Donald Trump and his family. CBS News obviously had one source and used that one source to create headlines where other news outlets picked it up. White House records turned over to House show seven-hour gap in Trump phone log on January 6th. There's a lot to get to today, and I'll get to all of it, I hope. But this is important. 
Internal White House records, this is three days ago, from the day the attack on the U.S. Capitol were turned over to the House Select Committee show a gap in President Donald Trump's phone logs of seven hours and 37 minutes, including the period when the building was being violently assaulted, according to documents obtained by CBS News Chief Election and Campaign Correspondent Robert Costa and the Washington Post's Associate Editor Bob Woodward. The lack of an official White House notation of any calls placed to or by Trump for 457 minutes from 11.17 a.m. to 6.54 p.m. on January 6, 2021 means there's no record of the calls made by Trump as his supporters descended on the U.S. Capitol, battled overwhelmed police, and forcibly entered the building, prompting lawmakers and Vice President Mike Pence to flee for safety. The 11 pages of records, which consist of the president's official diary and the White House switchboard call log, were turned over by the National Archives earlier this year to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack. So this leak comes directly from the January 6th committee. The records show that Trump was active on the phone for part of the day, documenting conversations that he had with at least eight people in the morning and 11 that evening. The gap also stands in stark contrast to the extensive public reporting about phone conversations he had with allies during the attack. The chairman of the January 6th House Select Committee, Representative Benny Hill Thompson, Democrat of Mississippi, called the reported gap in the log concerning. Of course, his committee leaked it, and then they asked him for comment. Obviously, there's not a second in the day that the president of the United States is not on record somewhere, Thompson told CBS News on Tuesday. After a White House bill signing event, he said the committee would see if we can piece it together. Mm -hmm. Having a record of what the president was doing on that day is absolutely vital to the work of the committee, he said. Thompson also said the committee does not yet have any evidence that there were calls the president had made or received in that period. But if the capital of the United States is being overrun, somebody made some calls, and we just have to find them. The House panel is now investigating whether Trump communicated that day through back channels, phones of aides, or personal disposal phones known as burner phones, according to two people with knowledge of the probe, who, like others interviewed for this report, spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive information. The committee is also scrutinizing whether it received the full log from that day. And, of course, the records show that former White House chief strategist Stephen K. Bannon who said on his January 5 podcast that all hell is going to break loose tomorrow, spoke with Trump twice on January 6. In a statement Monday night, Trump said, I have no idea what a burner phone is, to the best of my knowledge. I've never even heard the term. But former Trump National Security Advisor John Bolton, Johnny on the spot, more like Johnny made the spot, said in an interview Tuesday, after the CBS News Washington Post reporting had been published, that he recalls Trump using term burner phones in several discussions and that Trump was aware of its meaning. Bolton is quite the sleazeball. Bolton said he and Trump have spoken about how people have used burner phones to avoid having their calls scrutinized. I think Bolton's probably lying. But then again, what do I know? A Trump spokesperson said that Trump had nothing to do with the records and had assumed any and all of his phone calls are recorded and preserved. And that's the point, that very last sentence, and of course they leave it to the end. The fact of the matter is, the National Archives turns over the records, not the president. The president isn't the one who conducts the recordings. Those are also civil servants. Well, there's one problem with this story. It's a lie from beginning to end. We had Adam Schiff earlier, who was taking texts, cherry-picking from them, rewriting them, putting them out there, and of course, he doesn't face disbarment. No missing pages from January 6th White House switchboard logs report, Washington Examiner. No sheets are missing from the six pages of White House switchboard logs from January 6, 2021. A review of the executive branch office's records found. There are no missing pages. And the seven-hour gap is likely explained by use of White House landlines, White House cell phones, and personal cell phones that don't go through the switchboard. Jamie Gangell reports, CNN reporter Zachary Cohen wrote on social media. There are no missing pages. The nearly eight hours of missing phone logs came from records obtained by the House January 6th committee, 
from the National Archives. The gap in former President Trump's phone logs lasted seven hours. This was the story, as I just read to you. There are no missing logs. There's no missing phone calls. There's no missing anything. So this leak from the January 6th committee trying to destroy Donald Trump, that's all they're there for. Trying to destroy anybody around him, anybody associated with him. Trying to send a message that you may never, ever back this man for president or work for him or in any way be a surrogate for him. Was a lie. There are no missing pages and the seven-hour gap is likely explained by use of White House landlines, White House cell phones, and personal cell phones that do not go through the switchboard. Jamie Gangell of CNN reports. Oh, okay, let's move on to the next story then, you see, ladies and gentlemen. The next leak, as long as it doesn't involve Joe Biden and his crime family, the Bidens, which we'll get to in a moment, and I will get to Ukraine, and I want to congratulate the Ukrainians for attacking in Mother Russia. Ukraine is allowed to win, and Ukraine is allowed to attack back, even though it's a essentially a pinprick It makes a difference. And in this same vein, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Wallace gave a long interview to the New York Times. Very unhappy with Fox News. Fox changed. So Chris had to go. Being the newsman and all that he is. But David Harsani writes a great piece at National Review. Give me a break, Chris Wallace. Wallace is obviously more comfortable living in a media culture that allows liberal conspiracies and biases but not conservative ones. Why did Chris Wallace leave Fox News and move to CNN Plus? Quote, I'm fine with opinion, conservative opinion, liberal opinion, he told the New York Slimes. When people start to question the truth, who won the 2020 election, was January 6th an insurrection? I found that unsustainable. Indeed, one assumes that a significant percentage of the Fox News audience believes there was something fishy about the 2020 presidential contest and that Democrats have overstated the importance of the January 6th riot. Just as it's almost surely the case that a large segment of those who tune in the CNN or MSNBC believe, despite no evidence, to substantiate such claims that democracy was stolen by Russian gremlins in 2016 and minorities are being stopped from voting. As we've learned in recent years, some political conspiracy theories are acceptable in mainstream news, while others are not, although this election stuff is getting more and more Obvious and substantive. Harsani goes on. Are the people who gave platforms to those who smeared Brett Kavanaugh as a rapist, a gang rapist actually, like Michael Avenani and Julie Swetnick, truth tellers? Are the people who went after Nick Sandman the truth tellers? Is Wallace's new colleague Rex Chapman a truth teller? Our former CIA head and frequent CNS guest John Brennan, who lied to the American people about spying on the Senate, former U.S. Director of National Intel and now CNN National Security Analyst James Clapper, who lied under oath to Congress about spying on the American people, and fired FBI Deputy Director and now CNN Law Enforcement Analyst Andrew McCabe, who lied to the FBI about illegal leaks. Are they truth-tellers? Only recently, CNN was handing the network over to the... uh, obsequious brother of a New York governor and would-be presidential contender whose deadly decisions cost thousands of lives. When this governor was accused of sexual misconduct, CNN's host helped him mount a defense behind the scenes. The former head of the network might have known all about this. Truth? CNN has shown no more devotion to accuracy than any other cable network. Uh, Actually, it's shown less. Over the past seven years or so, the network has been one of the leading spreaders of misinformation. Correct. No, Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, did not testify that Trump had advanced knowledge of any meeting between the Russians and his campaign. James Comey would not dispute the president's claim that the former FBI director told him three times that he was not under investigation. Donald Trump Jr. was not offered advance access to the hacked emails of the DNC and Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta. Trump officials did not have ties to a Russian investment fund, and a CIA asset was not extracted from Russia because Trump put him in danger. It's an excellent piece, by the way. None of these stories, and numerous others, meant to undermine the public's trust in elections, turned out to be truth. 
We must assume that it was a deliberate attempt to undermine trust in the election. Not only because of the sheer number of blown scoops, but because no real explanation was ever offered for these so-called mistakes, virtually all of them miraculously skewing in the same useful direction. This was not mere bias. Those who regularly pass on concerted partisan attacks as legitimate news are not journalists. And most of those responsible for those stories are still at the network. Many have been promoted. Say what you like about Fox's ideological disposition, and it's obviously strongly conservative. During the eight years of the Obama administration, first Biden term, Fox never comes anywhere close to CNN's level of journalistic malpractice, which was far more corrosive to public trust than any openly contrarian pundit, he writes, like Tucker Carlson and entertaining conspiratorial ideas. CNN, more than Fox or MSNBC, functions under the pretense that its pundits are dispassionate journalists, apples and bananas and all that. Yet the idea that Don Lemon, Brianna Kyler, or Jim Acosta are less partisan than Hannity, Ingram, or Waters is a fiction. Chris Wallace is obviously more comfortable living in a culture that allows liberal conspiracies and biases, but not conservative ones. And that's his choice, of course. Wallace is often... One of the best straightforward political interviewers in the business. No, he's not. There's no need for him to perpetuate the fantasy that the American left is less prone to paranoia or that his new employer has more reverence for the truth. Chris Wallace is a disaster. It was a disaster during the debates when he wouldn't let Donald Trump pursue the Hunter Biden corruption, which was key, which was critical. And he participated, in my view, in the censorship of the whole issue. And he won't look at any of the fraud evidence that comes forward. And I'm not talking about kooks and machines and all the rest. I'm talking about legitimate or the constitutional issues that have been raised. While he did participate in trafficking in the Russia collusion conspiracy. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. A million barrels a day for the next six months. Costs him nothing. Some future president's going to have to figure out how to make good on it. But doesn't come close to what we need. Then they lie. First it's Putin, and then it's the oil companies trying to take advantage. Ladies and gentlemen, if the oil companies are trying to take advantage, why did they invent fracking? The government didn't invent fracking. The Democrat Party didn't invent fracking. Joe Biden didn't invent fracking. The oil companies did. Because they wanted fuel to be plentiful. And they did more to create energy independence in this country than any other entity. Why do they want energy independence? If they don't care about America, if they don't care about their employees, if they don't care about the price of fuel then why would they do any of this? Why would they care? The oil companies want to drill in Alaska. In the Arctic Reserve. It's called the Arctic Reserve because decades ago it was put aside for drilling. Trump said okay. Biden took it off the table. The oil companies want New leases, where there's potentially new oil, so-called. Biden said no. No. Now he keeps talking about the 9,000 leases that aren't being used. Well, I've talked about this before. In many cases, you have to develop the area around these leases in order to get there. You need an infrastructure. So when he comes into office, he signs an executive order to put the oil companies out of business and to eliminate fossil fuels over a couple decades period. They're not going to invest money around the leases in order to drill. That's number one. Number two, some of these leases that have been let have turned out to be useless. So they're not drilling. Number three. It's one thing to get a lease, but then you need a permit to drill. You need a permit 
from BLM. You need a permit from other entities within the Department of Interior. How do I know? Because I was the number two lawyer there for a period of time. That's how I know. As deputy solicitor. And the Biden administration isn't giving permits out for companies to drill on leased land that they paid for. This is the game. This is what you do when you don't have any solutions. This is what you do when you're an ideologue. As he's an ideologue when it comes to transgenderism, which I'll get to in a moment. This country's being run by individuals who lied to get into office, who changed our election laws to get into office, or the backing of a corrupt media and billionaires like Zuckerberg who interfered in the election, interfered in the precincts. We have corporatists, board members and executives in these corporations. They don't view their job as making a profit. They view their job as social engineers, as part of the social climate, if you will. We have shortages of fuel the way we're going to have shortages of food. And shortages of automobiles and shortages of computer chips. Is that big computer? Big computer chip? Big automobile? Big beef? Big meat? This man Biden is a punk. He's a street hack politician. He's an incredibly stupid man. And there he is, sitting in the Oval Office, making decisions that are incredibly destructive for this country. He's surrounded by the most radical staff. Here we have Blaze Media. Biden administration invents Securities and Environmental Commission out of thin air to force climate agenda on U.S. businesses. Remember I mentioned this? The Securities and Exchange Commission, a government agency established in the aftermath of the 1929 stock market crash to protect investors and maintain fair markets. One of the people they were trying to protect us from, by the way, was Joe Kennedy Sr. They soon become a player in imposing Biden's climate agenda. This is what they're doing at every level. They don't have the authority, legal authority. They don't have the constitutional right. They don't have the backing of the American people. In a three-to-one vote last week, unelected Democratic bureaucrats who serve as the agency's commissioners voted without authorization from Congress to impose sweeping new rules that require all publicly traded companies to disclose how their business affects, quote, climate change, unquote. According to a press release issued by the Securities and Exchange Commission, the proposed rules would require businesses to disclose their greenhouse gas emissions, along with any and all information relevant to, quote, climate-related risks that are reasonably likely to have a material impact on their business, results of operations, or financial condition. They have opened the floodgate to slip-and-fall ambulance-chasing lawyers who are going to sue energy companies. In a lengthy statement of dissent, the SEC's lone Republican commissioner, Hester Pierce, quipped that, With the move, the agency essentially reinvented itself as the Securities and Environment Commission without any say from the American people. He emphatically argued the new rules will harass and hamstring businesses with unnecessary and burdensome regulations that will ultimately harm investors and the economy. And besides, she asserted, the SEC has no authority to enact such rules, seeing as Congress never gave the agency such broad power. They violate federal law. <coughs> Excuse me. They impose their will. They lie about the consequences, who's responsible for them. We have higher gas prices because Joe Biden, the Democrats, and the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., as well as the no-growth movement, the American Marxist climate change movement, does not want you using fossil fuels. It has nothing to do with Putin. I get behind this microphone virtually every day. 
We talked about the price of fuel, how it was going up. Before Putin had 200,000 of his military on the border with Ukraine, well before. The prices began going up well before. Because they already had obstructed these oil companies. Then attacks on billionaires. That's why this book, American Marxism, speaks the truth. Class warfare, anti-capitalism, anti-free markets, anti-economic growth and wealth creation. That's what they're doing, centralizing government. Massive taxes is what they want. Massive government tentacles in every walk of life. Small businesses, medium businesses, large businesses. In your home, in your bedrooms, for God's sakes. Democrats in Washington appear happy to support the move since the rules fit with the party's aggressive approach to the climate. Many, too, likely see pressuring corporations as an effective step in accomplishing their goals. Here's the truth. These radical legal organizations have been suing ExxonMobil and other corporations like that for the last decade, claiming, claiming that they are harming their investors with their anti-climate change practices, demanding information from them, accusing them of criminality by hiding how they're screwing investors because of their, their lack of attention to the climate change impacts on the bottom line. This is what's going on in the shadows. But when Joe Biden gets up there starts trashing American companies the way he trashed meat uh, meat producers, the way he trashes all kinds of organizations and entities and so forth, because his policies, the Democrat Party's policies, are a disaster for our country. A disaster for our country. Well, it's not fast enough that we can replace them in the House and the Senate. And hopefully in 2024, Joe Biden, or this country will never be the same. Joe Biden, in 14 months, has made this country poor. He's destroyed the pensions of those who are retired. He's destroying the stock market. He's destroying the housing market. He's destroying destroying food production and processing and delivery. He's destroying communities with his open borders. We don't even talk about the murder rates anymore. Joe Biden is a wrecking ball. Prices are going up, not because of the oil companies, because of Joe Biden. Prices are going up, not because of Putin, but because of Joe Biden. Food shortages, because of Joe Biden, not big meat. Remember Christmas, empty shelves of toys and so forth? Was that big toy? No, it's Joe Biden. Always with an excuse. Because that's what stupid people do. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I'm tired of the Putin wing of the media, the Putin wing of the Republican Party. The Putin wing of the Democrat Party. I am tired of the isolationists who claim to be America first, who are America last. I'm tired of the radical left in this country, which has this odd alliance with such people. What you saw and see in Bukha, which is a small suburb northwest of Kiev, is genocide. 
It's a town of, a, what, four or five hundred people? Something to that effect? And the media have gone in there and they're showing us what's taking place. This isn't propaganda from Zelensky and the Ukrainians, the neocons and the federal contractors. They're talking about a war crimes trial for Putin. Do we have Putin? Is this thing over? Have the Ukrainians won? Of course there should be a war crimes trial, but that that's in the future, hopefully. That doesn't save a single life. They keep going behind a microphone with a helicopter. Sky. Should be war crimes. A war crime. Well, okay. But Biden won't say it's genocide. Neither will the National Security Advisor. Neither will the Secretary of State because it's not systemic, they say. Well, of course it's systemic. But that's not the definition of genocide anyway. Moreover, you want to know why they won't say it's genocide? Because that means we need to do more in the face of genocide. Ask the Ukrainian people if they think it's genocide. Now, what did they find in this little town? What did the Russians do? And they're doing it in every damn town. Because their orders come from high. Putin. He just wants a little space, that's all. That's all. He's just worried about NATO, you know. I mean, the collapse of the Soviet Union really, really affected his ego. He is a cold-blooded mass murderer. You know, history is strewn with such low-life animals. Torturing people. Raping the women. The Russians are known to do that, by the way, in wartime. Mark, you're just anti-Russian. My ancestors are Russian. I'm not anti-anything except evil. Bodies burned. People with severed limbs. People decapitated. Women and children murdered using children on tanks. And mass graves. People shot at close range in the back of the head, most of them. You want to talk about Nazism? That's Nazism. So Biden won't call it genocide today. Now let me be abundantly clear about this. On the one hand, this administration likes to claim it's taking the lead. By sending Stinger missiles. And Javelin missiles. You still don't hear about Harpoon missiles which is what they need in the south to attack those ships. You still don't hear about MiGs, which is what they need now in the north and the east and the south, but particularly in the east now, where Putin is amassing his forces. You need to be able to take the battle to the enemy. Yes, it's important to shoot their planes and choppers out of the sky, but you need to take the battle to the enemy. You need more tools. You need more options. And we're denying it to these people. We're denying it to these people. Because we say Putin might use nukes. Putin is not going to use nukes. Because we have nukes too. And Russia's had nukes for a long time, more than half a century, and they haven't used them yet. They didn't use them when they were getting their asses kicked in Afghanistan when Reagan was arming the Northern Alliance. Or in Angola. Or in Cuba. Or in Nicaragua. Or anywhere else for that matter. Because in the end, Putin wants to live. He's a coward. In the end, that's what he wants. I don't want to hear anymore that the Ukrainians or their government or America or the Europeans are 
like war or want to get into a war or whatever the stupid-ass comments are. Americans don't like war. On the other hand, Americans care about humanity. Here and abroad. This wanton slaughter of innocent people. Does it happen in other places of the world? Of course it does. You pick your fights. But it's funny how Putin's involved in so much of it. Whether it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands in the Middle East. Tens of thousands in Chechnya. And thousands and thousands, maybe even tens of thousands now in Ukraine. He's an evil man. He's got his cheerleaders and supporters in this country. You know who you know who they are, and I know who they are. But the fact of the matter is, we Americans don't take kindly to atrocities and war crimes and genocide, Joe Biden. It's genocide. And because, Joe Biden, in part, you have failed to do enough. You have failed to lead. You have failed to unify NATO and Europe and any other country that wants to help the Ukrainians to provide them with actual weapons that they need to win that war. They win it. It's an amazing thing that they will have won it. With a lack of equipment in their, their situation now. That people are going to continue to suffer and be slaughtered, tortured, raped, maimed, disemboweled, and all the rest of it. These people fight like animals. The Putin war machine fights like animals. These aren't a bunch of young conscripts who don't want to be there. I know we heard about that three or four weeks ago. Oh, they've been texting their mommies. Texting their mommies about how they don't want to be there. Well, they're there. And they're slaughtering people. The only way to stop them is to kill them. And we need to give the Ukrainians the deadly weapons they need to kill as many of them as possible. And as I said, perhaps the first, but definitely early on, the only way this will end in a just way, with the Ukrainians winning, is if Putin is taken out. Now, I don't mean by the United States. But taken out by his own people, taken out by people around him, taken out by assassination squads from Ukraine. I mean, after all, what's good for the goose is good for the, the fascist. If he wants to take out Zelensky, then somebody needs to take him out. Plus, you know, count the number of bodies that Putin has targeted and assassinated. Let's bring in the Wagner Group, which is like the SS. Bringing in the Chechnyan uh, special forces. It's like bringing in Hezbollah. Trying to bring in Syrian fighters. Bringing in the most loathsome, ruthless, vile, stomach-crawling scum on the face of the earth. To attack innocent citizens who did nothing to deserve their fate. Nothing. We Americans need to speak out against our isolationists. We Americans need to speak out against those who would wrap themselves in Americanism while they're spitting all over this country and all over our flag. What do you think President Reagan would say? We know what President Trump says. He's disgusted by what's taking place. The Putin wing of the Republican Party, the Putin wing in the media and the Democrat Party are extremists. They're radicals. President Trump himself, and I've spoken to him, would do a lot more to help the Ukrainian people. 
a lot more than Biden. That's for sure. And if you need further evidence, and you really don't, did you see those pictures? Not only the slaughtered people, Mr. Producer, but then one news site took photographs of all the dogs they're slaughtering. Did you see that? They're slaughtering anything that lives. Anything. Anything that lives. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Here's how Alex Sherman and Laura Kalotny at MS, excuse me, could be, but NBC, what is a CNBC, report on Elon Musk doing something really for freedom. I hope he does. I hope he's able to have a very positive impact there. And makes a difference because he's he's one of the few people who's quite capable of it, I believe. And of course, Biden doesn't invite him to the meetings when it comes to electric vehicles. He brings in GM and Ford and the others because Elon Musk is non-union. Of course, we can't have that. You know, my view is union, non-union, we'll take them all. But that's not Biden's view, of course, because he's for democracy and against autocracy. So CNBC covers it this way. Elon Musk thumbs his nose at the SEC again with Twitter stick. And, you know, it's it's so pathetic. Would that be the same SEC now that is demanding that people comply with climate change regulations? I hope they're litigated up the wazoo on that. They have no statutory authority to do that whatsoever. The SEC, disgusting. It is disgusting. Uh, The Marxists in this country violate our law, abuse these bureaucracies, abuse our children. It is disgusting, the whole damn thing. Musk disclosed his 9.2 stake in Twitter, they write, more than 20 days after he accumulated shares. The SEC mandates individual passive stakes must be disclosed in a 10-day window. Wow. Fines for late disclosures have historically been in this Range of $100,000, a drop in the bucket from Musk, the world's wealthiest man. The Tesla CEO has a long history of brushing off SEC regulations. No, he doesn't. They have a long history of trying to destroy him. He's another guy, you know, like Trump, who's from the outside, comes in, is his own man, his own independent thinker, whether you agree with everything or not. He's done a... uh, A fantastic job trying to help the Ukrainians as the Russians were shutting down the internet and so forth and satellite systems. He set up a a, a parallel system. The Securities and Exchange Commission is another reason to come after Elon Musk. This is what they're rooting for. Ten days rather than twenty. Ten days rather than twenty. Musk tweeted, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy and he asked this question do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle yes or no no 70.4% who voted over 2 million people at the time many more since many more since and uh, it seems to me that uh, this man should be saluted that this man should be celebrated and they have a whole section in here, Musk versus the SEC. You know, he, do, he starts Tesla, he starts SpaceX, and now he's, he's acquired an um, enormous number of shares of Twitter. He doesn't have to do any of this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. You know, he could be like the fifth-generation Rockefellers or, uh, or the Kennedys or the Bushes or the Sununus, or whatever. But you see, he violated the 10-day rule. He was 20 days. Can you imagine? 20 days. And they're there, of course, to, uh, to jump all over him. But let's hope he does something really well with it. 
Meanwhile, back at Disney, let me just say this about Disney. The corporatists that run Disney now, and these employees who are demanding that Disney bend to its will, they have taken an institution, an American institution, iconic institution, and they've hijacked it. That's what they've done in our elementary and secondary schools. That's what they've done with our media. And this is what was promoted. This indoctrination and the techniques about 110 years ago with the early Marxist progressives, as they called themselves. They need to insinuate themselves and secrete themselves into all aspects of the culture. And they demand uniformity and conformity. That's what they do. So they take something that Walt Disney created, who was a conservative, who was a family man, who believed in tradition, a man of faith. And they took what this man created, and all the people around him created. And by the way, he almost went broke. He mortgaged his home to start it all and everything else. And they're destroying it. Like they destroy everything else on the left. They're destroying it. Woke hypocrites at Disney are expanding the company's dealings in 10 countries with explicit anti-gay laws. The blaze. Then we have a piece here in The Federalist. Joe Biden's reversal on sexual exposure for kids shows just how extreme the Democratic Party has become. Joe Biden voted for an amendment to the elementary and secondary law in 1994 that specifically outlawed the discussion. Well, here's what it said. To prohibit schools from receiving funds under the bill, from encouraging or supporting homosexuality as a positive lifestyle alternative, K-12, through which he defined as, quote, the distribution of instructional materials, instruction, counseling, or other services, or referral of a pupil to an organization that affirms a homosexual lifestyle. That is what Joe Biden supported in 1994. That's what he supported. But now, it's okay, preschool to third grade, five years to eight, anything goes. And by the way, the amendment, which was slightly altered later by Ted Kennedy, but he embraced the essentials of it too, assured that federal funds are not used to promote or encourage sexual activity of any kind, any kind. That's the amendment that they agreed on with Kennedy and Jeffords, with Helms and Smith, and it voted past 99 to 0. 99 to 0, 28 years ago. Today, Florida passes a law and says, you're not to discuss any of this stuff with preschools, preschoolers to uh, third graders. Oh, the don't say gay law. And then you have idiots like Larry Hogan in, in Maryland. Uh, we, we would uh, never pass a law like this here. We know that, you jerk. Back to the blaze piece. Woke hypocrites at Disney are expanding the company's dealings in 10 countries with explicit anti-gay laws. The Walt Disney Company is expanding its operations. This move comes despite the company's insistence on laundering LGBTQ plus narratives into content for children in the United States and its commitment to repealing Florida's recently passed and widely supported parental rights and education law. Media, you creeps, you cretins, that's what it's called. Parental rights and education law. Get it straight. This past Tuesday, the transnational entertainment titan announced that it would be launching its streaming service, Disney Plus, in 42 new areas in Europe, Asia, West Africa, from May to June in 2022. Nearly a dozen of the places where Disney Plus will soon be offered have strict anti-gay laws. They include the following countries, Algeria, Egypt, Libya, Morocco, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, Yemen, and the region they call the Palestinian Territory. There you go. It's not specified whether Disney is expanding its services to both territories considered to be Palestinian, the West Bank, the Gaza Strip, and so forth and so on. 
Many of the entities to which Disney will soon be extending its services, homosexual acts, are often punished with lengthy jail terms, hard labor, and exuberant fines. Countries like Saudi Arabia, where there is no formalized criminal code, homosexuals and transgender individuals are punished in far more draconian ways. Punishments include expensive fines, chemical castrations, and executions. <coughs> chemical castration, aren't we promoting that in our elementary schools, Mr. Producer? In Yemen, homosexuality is punishable by death. So the question is, ladies and gentlemen, why is Disney anti-gay? Why is Disney going into countries where homosexuality is specifically criminalized? I think if I'm Governor DeSantis, I ask that question. Why give special state privileges to a bigoted, anti-homosexual company like Disney and those who support it. What do you think, Larry Hogan? You don't think. You're a moron. 